Have you ever felt stuck in your walk with Jesus? Ever feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and coming back to you? Have you ever felt distant from the Lord? In this episode of Groundwork, we're going to talk about that part of your walk with Jesus where things are not so easy and possibly how God might be inviting you into a deeper and more intimate walk with Him. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And this is the fourth episode, Scott, in the growth series on discipleship that we have been doing. We've been considering what it is to drink spiritual milk when we're in the infancy stage of our walk with Jesus. And in the second program, we talked about the need to mature, to move from milk to meat, spiritually speaking, and what that means in our daily lives. And in the third program, we considered that our lives with Jesus is not a linear one. It has set up setbacks. It has mountains and valleys. And it's kind of a zigzag. Um, In this episode, we want to talk about what can happen to our faith when we have tragedies or life-shattering experiences? Where is God in all of this? And how does one's relationship with the Lord change during these times? Exactly. So in the previous program, we thought more about the mistakes we make, right? Uh, bad habits we fall into, or we talked about being spiritual chameleons, you know, where we sometimes we fall into the wrong crowd and we act like them instead of like Jesus. You know, we're hypocrites. But this time we want to talk more about things that are beyond our control, things we don't do to ourselves, but that come our way, tragedies, cataclysms, major personal losses. Uh, Somebody once said, you know, when, when you're walking with Jesus, you either are just coming out of a storm, you're in the storm, or you're headed toward the next storm. And I think a lot of us know that that's true. Definitely. And so when you're walking with Jesus, if you walk with him long enough, then life circumstance is going to hit you a tragedy or something that's going to change your life and that surprises us and hits us. And sometimes we may have a visceral response to that. I remember one time when I was working as a meat cutter in a deli and the manager was working in there and he was pretty stressed that day and we were really busy. And a lady came in and she said, I had an order of pork tenderloins and I went to go check for it and didn't see it, asked my manager. And he came out in front of everyone and it was embarrassing to me because he was confronting me and he said, these are the pork tenderloins. Did you not see them? And he walked out. And so in the middle of the moment, I just apologized to the lady and kept it moving. But when I debriefed and how I felt, I said, wait, that hurt. And then I had some anger. Then I had some shame. I didn't even know that was in there because I was so busy moving and moving forward. And I don't know about you, but I've had situations where I just kept going and kept pushing, but didn't realize that I'd been affected by that moment. Does it happen to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, things just sort of blindside you, right? You don't see it coming. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, something hurts or, or something just gets under your skin or it bothers you. And sometimes those are somewhat minor things that, you know, you take a few deep breaths, swallow hard, you can move on. But there are other things that aren't so easy to recover from. You know, I think when we've been talking about the stages of discipleship, and maybe when we're first disciples, we sort of think, well, just quote scripture, you know, just be happy, think positive thoughts. Have Re- faith. Yeah, repeat John three sixteen to yourself and uh, all would be well. But it doesn't always work that way. Unfortunately, when you go through situations, they require a deeper answer and investigation than those things. Sometimes the religious circles that we're in only have these pat answers, only have these pious sayings that might have been pithy, but they haven't been helpful. 
And so the, it could actually lead to more frustration and more pain because it doesn't get to underneath the reasons why things are happening. And I think when you have trauma, when you have tragedy, God is inviting a deeper relationship with him. And that's the invitation that we're calling people to today. Exactly. Tough things require tough engagement and endurance. And, you know, I was thinking when you were talking just now, Daryl, about, you know, pat answers and stuff, I think sometimes of the, the really bad things people sometimes say in funeral homes. Yes. You know, she's in a better place or God needed another angel oh. or, you know, they're trying to just sort of put a uh, a yellow smiley face sticker over a raw wound in someone's life, and it just didn't work. I think it would short circuit the grief process in that situation, and grief is actually factored into the healthy walk with Jesus. This is another part of what happens when trauma happens, when tragedies strike. Like, for example, if you lose a loved one, you have some trauma to go through because you miss that person. There's a loss in your life and you need a way to process that healthily with Jesus. And so this because that situation is beyond your control, we actually do have a person in the Bible that has went through these things that were beyond his his control. His name is Job. And coming up, we want to talk about how Job's life could actually teach us something about what happens in situations that are beyond our control. Yeah, exactly. We did a series uh, on, on Job and on suffering on Groundwork. So if uh, you wanted to, as a listener, uh, delve more into Job that we're going to do in just this program, you can look up that series on the Groundwork website, groundworkonline.com. But uh, – most of the book of Job is filled with pat answers, right? I mean, we're going to get to the, the specifics of Job's loss, but the vast majority of uh, the book of Job are those three friends, and then a fourth one shows up near the end, and they are the masters of the pat answers. They want to explain everything away to Job, and it didn't work. You know, it was really great when they came in, the three friends, because they sat with him, and they didn't speak until he spoke. That is awesome. But then they begin to open their mouths and undo everything by the pat answers and the traditional things. So there's this principle in the Old Testament that's called divine retribution. And so you do right, you get blessed. You do wrong, you get cursed. And if you stay on this side, you'll be okay. But if you're on that side, obviously something went wrong. But Job's book shows us not necessarily is that the case every single time. And then when we, we have people who suffer and we have people who go through life tragedies, let's just say, like, I know some people who have recovered from drug addictions. Some of that is partly what they chose and some of it is partly circumstances that are surrounding that. And unless you're in that moment, you cannot know exactly what did that. But God is the one that understands the tragedy and the struggle that goes with the addiction and recovery and things like that. It's just a traumatic situation where we need to look closer at what God is up to and how we process that pain and that challenge. Exactly. Yeah, like what you said, the, um, the, the Job's friends were at their most useful when they didn't talk. <laughs> they sat with him for a week, and that was really great, but then they started to talk. That doesn't cut it. That doesn't help us grow as disciples when people explain away our pain. But we're going to look at Job next and get into some of the specifics and sort of wonder, you know, when we're – you know, all of us sometimes just know people who say, man, that person has the life of Job. But it happens to all of us. It's not, some people seem to suffer an unusual amount, but we all suffer eventually. And then the question is, how do we respond? And we're going to think about that in just a moment. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. 
If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose, and we're talking about discipleship and how it's not always cut and dried all the time. It's not an easy road. And so the question becomes, what happens to our discipleship or what can happen, what should happen when the bottom falls out of life? And so to talk about that, we're going to dig into the life of Job and the situations and circumstances in which Job finds himself. And like I said earlier, it's not about, oh, you did right you're blessed. If you did wrong, you're cursed. There's a whole lot of things happening to Job. He loses his possessions. He loses his children. He even loses his physical health at one point. But one thing he doesn't lose is his faith. He doesn't lose his faith, and he doesn't lose his kind of plucky conviction that he didn't deserve this. The friends all tell him, hey, what'd you do? Right? I mean, as you said earlier, there's the divine retribution. It's simple. You do right, God blesses you. You do wrong, God curses you and punishes you. So what'd you do? And Job says, I did nothing. I'm not perfect, but I didn't do anything to deserve this. I mean, you talk about a bad day, right? You (laughs) you lose your your possessions, your children, and then later your health. You could lose your mind uh, after all all of this happens, right? I mean, this guy has been laid low. It's really painful to look through. But then let's look at this verse in Job 1, and then we can talk about how he responded in that situation. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at his older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and servants and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Now, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Oh, my goodness. This is a bad day. What a day. All of this happened in the same day. So I think one of the things that pokes out to me, sticks out to me when I read this verse is that tragedy, it comes for anyone. Mm. There is no respecter of persons. No one has cornered the market on hardships. These things happen to everybody. Yep. You live long enough, you're going you're gonna to get hurt. Hopefully not this catastrophically hurt. But again, 
you know, we're pastors, Daryl. We've we've walked with people who kind of had a day like this in a way, right? I mean, that's when they call people whose you know whole family got killed in a car accident, and he alone survived. Kind <laughs> of like these uh, servants. You don't even know what to say, even as a pastor. I mean, it's best not to say anything, uh, probably uh, initially. But so we've we've walked with people who have experienced exactly this. Just their whole family was wiped out in one bad highway accident, and and now what happens to your faith? Job here uh, responds, uh, amazingly enough, with kind of worship of God almost, right? Yeah, he does. He responds with worship. But before he responds with worship, he does something interesting. He tears his robe Mm. and he shaves his head. Now, in in the cultural responses of how this works in his culture, everyone knows that that's grief. They walked past and they saw that he ripped his clothes and shaved his head. They say, oh, he's grieving. He's went through something deep. And the point that I'm making is that grieving should be a natural process to trauma, to loss. You're not strange if you're grieving at this moment. And I I hate the fact that sometimes we want to rush past that. Right. He doesn't shave his head and tear his robes after he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. But before he says, that's a good point. You're right. Let's not rush to the worship part. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And you know, in our day, we don't, we don't show grief in exactly that same way. There are different ways to show that we're grieving. Some people wear all black for a while or they put black armbands yeah. on. Sometimes you see that in, in Major League Baseball that they'll wear something because a teammate died or yeah. police will put a black rubber band like around their badges if a fellow cop got killed. You know, we have different ways of, of, of showing our grief uh, outwardly, but inwardly uh, we certainly know it's not wrong to grieve the circumstances. It's not Particularly, I think, in certain Reformed and particularly in certain Calvinist circles, we tend to say, look, it must have been God's will, so suck it up. Sure. I mean, you know, just just bless the name of the Lord. Don't lament. Don't cry out to God. Don't, you know, uh, shake your fist at God because you don't understand. No, 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 no. Just accept it. That's not healthy even. It's not human. It does not actually bode well for us to ignore pain or try to be tough and stoic and process the way through the pain without feeling. That's not actually healthy. And we need to find healthy ways to express our raw emotion and our anger, our pain, uh, because our God is big enough. Like, read the Psalms. David is all over the place with his emotions, and he is vocal about it. And we need to find ways to do that that doesn't bring harm to self or others. And that's, I think, an important point with Psalms of Lament that you just mentioned, Daryl, because we're talking about discipleship here, and we're talking about events that could shipwreck our faith and end our growth of discipleship permanently, right? And sometimes, regrettably, that happens. There are some people who just never recover at all. They never pray again. They never believe in God again. They just walk away from the whole thing. But if we're going to continue as disciples, if we want to grow as disciples, it has to be through these experiences. And one of the ways that that happens is by complaining, right? Yes. I mean, don't stop talking to God, but tell God what you think. Better that than never talk to God again. You're still on the road of discipleship if you can complain, if you can lament. I think that's a really important point. So we have the reaction that happens with his visceral response and his grieving, but we also have the response. 
And that response is worship, just like you mentioned earlier. Right. He says, naked I've came into this world, and naked I shall leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it's really important for us to know that there are mountain high times where we're really excited and things are happening, but something happens when you worship God in the valley low times, when the answer hasn't come, when you're still in the pain. Like There's an intimate place that God can meet you there when you're in that situation. Exactly. And again, better to respond to God with what you're feeling than just walk away from God for good. It may seem weird to us that Job manages to bless the name of the Lord despite having the worst day in the history of humanity, but he did grieve first, and then he worshiped, and then he's going to spend the rest of the book basically defending his own reputation and saying, I don't think God did this to me as a, as a punishment. And I think that's part of the growth of discipleship too. Yes, Scott. And I think that every one of us has had a moment where we're like, I didn't sign up for this. Mm. And so be a, to being able to talk to God about how we feel there, and I want to help us understand too, is that we're going to get to some practical applications on how God can meet us right there in the midst of our trials when we come up next. So stay tuned. What does it mean to accept and follow God's will? How do we even know God's will? Our human tendency is to think we are the boss of our own lives. But Jesus calls us to recognize Him as Lord and King, and to serve Him by doing God's will, which we find in the Bible. The Bible is the revealed will of God. We need to read it, reflect on it, ask the Holy Spirit for understanding, and the grace to live by it. Join today in August for a series of devotions titled Discerning God's Will. Refresh, refocus, and renew at todaydevotional.com. I'm Scott Jose with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork. And in this program, Daryl, we've been thinking about the outright tragedies that can come that at least shake our faith and at worst can sometimes cause people to lose their faith and just stop wanting to be a disciple of Jesus at all. And we're trying to talk about, in the context of Job, what it means to somehow be able to go on and continue on the path of discipleship, even when something happens that has, for at least a moment, knocked us clean off the path. And I think people who have been walking with Jesus already understand this, that life isn't always easy. It isn't always sunshine and rainbows. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be tragedies. And there are life problems that happen to us. But we have a God who is engaged with us, intimately connected with us, and loves us, that wants to uh, help us through these situations. So the first thing is that, that God cares about how we feel got a scripture on that in Psalm 56 where it says that you track all of our sorrows and collect our tears in a bottle and everything that you record in your book. So God is paying attention to the tears that we cry. We often say in pastoral care that your tears have a language. And even though you're not vocally speaking them, they are telling us something. And God understands that language. Exactly. And that's why actually even those, I love that image that he collects your tears as in a bottle. I mean, that's just so so beautiful. It's always struck me as being so poignant. But that also means, Daryl, that that even in worship, uh, we need to let people know it's okay to have tears. Years ago, Nicholas Walterstorff wrote a, a very seminal article on worship called Trumpets, Ashes, and Tears. And he pointed out in that article that any given Sunday, uh, there are some people who have come into worship blowing the trumpets of praise. There are some people who have come into worship bearing the ashes of repentance on their hearts because they're really guilt-ridden about something they did. 
And there are some people who come into worship with tears flowing, if not on their faces, then in their hearts. But that's okay. Tears have a place in worship too. The tearful, uh, the the weeping have a place in worship too. You don't have to come to church only when you're just happy with Jesus. Uh, you can come into church when you're broken. Uh, and, and God collects those tears as in a bottle. This too is a part of discipleship and better to come to church in tears and even in lament than to stop coming to church at all because you figure, if God let this happen to me, he can't be real. I've seen this pattern in youth ministry and this isn't just relegated to youth, but when people go through tragedies, you'd hardly see them at church. Mm. When things are awesome, then you see more attendance, and then you see a trend when you say, okay, then they must be going through something. I got to go as a shepherd and find out what's going on there. So not only do we see in Scripture that God cares about the tears that we cry, but we also see that he cares about all the things that we go through. And there's a passage here in 1 Peter 5, 7 that says, casting all your cares, your anxieties, your worries, and all your concerns on him, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. I love the fact that he is able to uh, address all the things that make us anxious, all the things that I think are our situation for me that are serious. He cares about all the things I care about. Right. So better to run to God with our problems and in the midst of our pain, even if we've got an edge of anger and disappointment, than run away from God. Uh, and I think that's absolutely true. When you mentioned a moment ago, Daryl, about you know people with problems not coming to church, uh, somewhere I read one time where somebody said, you know— the church isn't supposed to be some country club where you, you show up when when everything's grand right. and you got money in the bank. It, the church is a hospital, and nobody in their right mind, anyway, would say, "Ooh, as soon as this little heart attack eases up, then I'm going to check. <laughs> then I'm going to check into the hospital. I'll, I'll go as soon as the heart attack's done. I'm going to go to the hospital. No, you go to the hospital when you're having a heart attack. You come to church not when you're well, but when you're ill when you are in trouble. That's exactly when you most need to come to church. You know, I mean, so people who say, once I get my act together, then I'll start coming to church. It's like, you're supposed to come to church to help you get your act together by God's spirit. And I think that when you come to church with that uh, mentality that I'm getting help, the help that I need, then you realize that discipleship doesn't happen because you're all by yourself. It happens because you're in the context of community of people who are walking with you that are intentional about sharing with God where they really are. So we, at our church, we would have a time of confession. We'd have a time of lamenting. We'd have a time where everyone gets together and prays for one another's concerns. And when you come to church and you share those things with those people, then you realize that you have a connection because of life circumstances. We've all been through something, haven't we, Scott? Oh, exactly. And we need that community, Daryl. What you just said, that is so, so important. Uh, my friend Tom Long, who's a preacher and teacher of preaching, told the story in a sermon one time of a pastor who on Easter, on Holy Saturday, the day between Good Friday and Easter, this pastor's wife became suddenly ill in the morning. She got worse by noon, and by evening she was dead. So he lost his wife. Obviously, he couldn't preach the next day. Somebody filled in for him, but he still went to church. But he said later, I couldn't believe in the resurrection that day, so the community believed for me yes. until I could get back to the point of believing in it myself because I was you – know, that's exactly it. We, we need that community, the communion of saints to hold us up and to keep us on the path of discipleship, even to carry us if need be um, yes. for a time. And I think it's important for us to understand it, even though 
we have these trials. We have people who can help us in our walk with God in those times. Yeah, we're not lone rangers, right? We're not We're not supposed to just me and Jesus. We need everybody around us. And we have to accept, too, I think one final point since we've been talking about Job, except that we're going to have scars after these experiences. We're not just going to you know, go on like we did. Even at the end of Job, God restores his fortunes. We read in Job 42, he gave him twice as much as he had before. And then it says, but all his brothers and sisters came to him, to his house, and they comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. So there's still, even after the sorrow sometimes, Gerald, there's that need for the community to continue to comfort us and to deal with us with the scars we bear. You know what's encouraging to me about that, Scott, is the fact that when we, we go through life circumstances, we get, we get wounds, we get hurt, we get these scars, and we serve a Savior who has wounds and scars. And he welcomes us to walk with him and he brings us into the situation where he can encourage us, no matter what the circumstance is. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we continue to dig deeply into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. Connect with us at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 